Hey, this is Ed. Quick announcement before we get started. This upcoming Wednesday, August 15th, I'm going to be interviewing the author Hampton Sides on stage at a live event at the Aspen Institute in Aspen, Colorado. If you listen to the podcast, you know that Hampton Sides is one of my favorite authors and Blood and Thunder is one of my favorite books. So if you have an interest and you live nearby or are going to be driving through, I encourage you to stop by the Aspen Institute and watch. It's um, going to be from 5 p.m. till 6.30 p.m. Wednesday, the 15th. Should be a great conversation. I'm really excited about it. Uh, tickets are for sale on the Aspen Institute website, and I've got links to everything on my website. So I encourage you to check it out. It'd be great to meet you. Thanks. Hey, this is Ed Robertson, and this is the Mountain and Prairie Podcast, where I introduce you to some of the innovative individuals who are shaping the future of the American West. I meet most of these people through my work in land conservation or through my hobbies and interests that revolve around spending time up high in the mountains. My guests include ranchers, writers, entrepreneurs, conservationists, athletes, artists, adventurers, pretty much anyone who's doing important work, has an interesting story, and loves the American West. My guest today is Stephen Smith. Those of you who've been listening to the podcast since the very beginning will definitely remember my first conversation with Stephen Smith. We talked for about an hour and a half about his career as a professional photographer, his motorcycle adventures around South America, his time working on farms and ranches, surfing, and much more. Since that conversation almost exactly two years ago, Stephen has continued to evolve as an adventurer, entrepreneur, and artist. He recently bought a 170-acre property in eastern Oregon, founded a plant medicine CBD company, and has continued to work as a professional freelance photographer. With all these exciting developments, I thought it was time to have him back on the podcast for a round two. Stephen has a big vision for his new endeavors, and most importantly, he has a work ethic and risk tolerance to achieve his goals. We talk in detail about his new property, which he's calling Crow Creek, and how he's gone about transforming a raw piece of ground into his full-time home. We also chat in detail about his CBD company called Onda Wellness, which provides all-natural plant-based relief from everything from muscle soreness to anxiety to insomnia. If you're someone who's thinking of starting your own business or simply has an interest in outside-the-box entrepreneurship, you'll definitely learn a lot from Stephen's story. As you'll hear in our conversation, Stephen is amazingly open and honest about the challenges he's encountered while pursuing these new ventures, physically, mentally, and financially. He pulls no punches when describing the difficulty of simultaneously homesteading a property, running a startup, and freelancing, but you'll notice that his tone remains focused and optimistic without being unrealistic. Yes, his Instagram post of Crow Creek and his travels around the West are stunning, but make no mistake, he's grinding at a breakneck speed to make it all work. His journey is inspiring and real, so I know you'll enjoy listening. As a bonus to Mountain and Prairie listeners, Stephen's offering a 15% discount on Onda Wellness products. Just use the code ED15, that's capital E, capital D, 15, at checkout, and the discount will be applied. I can't speak highly enough about Onda products, so I encourage you to give them a try. Thanks to Stephen for coming back on the podcast. Hope you enjoy. Normally, when I start these interviews, as you know, I ask people, when you meet somebody for the first time, what do you do? And I've had several people come back on for part two, but 
both of those guys were doing pretty much the same work they had been doing when I talked to them before, but you are the glaring exception there because you're still doing your old job, but you've also got two massive new undertakings. So can you talk about what you've been up to since we last chatted? Yeah, absolutely. I think last time we spoke, I was, you know, right in the middle of full speed ahead with uh, photography. Um, and it was taking up most of my time and I was dreaming and kind of in the back of my head thinking about what are currently the other two uh, projects, jobs, endeavors. And the first one is the property. So I, I've got a 170 acres that I'm starting from scratch. I'm homesteading, trying to build a place to live, trying to build a place to come back to um, uh, have some education, some events, and jump into different agricultural endeavors when the time's right with resources and everything else. The other big thing that, that really does take up, I'd say, 70% of my time, if not 80, is Onda Wellness, the full-spectrum CBD company that I started, uh, let's see here, almost two years ago. And uh, we're cranking. We are cruising along. But just like any startup, it's, uh, it takes a little while till you can pay yourself. So really, at this point, the difference is that I have two startup businesses, neither of which are paying me, <laughs> and one freelance job. So it's just like in the book of what not to do. You know, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts around entrepreneurs for example, the one uh, on NPR, I think it's called How I Built This. Yep. And that's kind of like my entrepreneurial therapy. You know, I get on that, I listen to that, and I think, okay, I hope this episode talks me off the edge, talks <laughs> me out of my like, depression and self-doubt about these projects. And, you know, you hear people that they're sleeping on couches. They've sold their car. They begged, borrowed, and stole. Hopefully not the last two, I guess, but uh, or, or first and last. But they, they've really extended themselves, uh, and they're riding on hope and belief and, and faith in themselves. So, yeah, it's uh, – you know, normally you think, well, you might have a partner that can support you or you have money from a previous venture that you can roll into a new project – uh, you know, but this is, this is pretty much really lean. All the, all the chips are on the table. So yeah, it's a, it's a different situation than a couple of years ago. It's really exciting. And I hope that one day I'm one of those folks that can look back and think, man, I really struggled and that shit was rough, you know, and it's all been worth it instead of, damn, I really fell on my face. <laughs> but <laughs> No, I think it's, it's uh, I think it's, it's awesome, man. I mean, I think it's because I remember when we uh, we talked, we did the interview and then uh, like maybe a few months later you were in Boulder and we went and hung out and you were just talking about this idea you had and about, you know, buying some property and we didn't even talk about the CBD thing. And then next thing you know, you know, several months after that, you're actually taking steps to make it happen. And, um, you know, I think nowadays the idea of entrepreneurship is very popular with people and kind of cool and kind of trendy, but 
you know, there's a big difference between talking about something and actually doing it. And, um, you know, you're doing it and you're, you know, it's damn right. It's hard. And it, and if it should be, because if it wasn't, everybody would do it. And so, um, I got, I got nothing but respect for, for what you're doing. And, um, I want to, I want to talk about both of them in detail. So maybe we can start with, with the property, um, in Oregon. Can you describe, kind of where it is, the landscape, because your your photos of the place are just unbelievable. And it looks like just a beautiful valley. And I'm from very familiar with the West, but I was not familiar with that particular valley. So can you just talk about the property a little bit? Sure. Yeah. And it, and it, and it all did happen quite, quite quickly to, to go back to what you were, what you were just saying. It kind of was this crazy visit in November tons and tons of research and by I think March or April I was under contract and geez it's like I look back at it and think uh that's crazy you know and it's almost like you have to get out of your head and just do it uh for for it to kick into motion and uh and figure it out as you go but yeah I've got about 170 acres uh at the very edge of the Zumwalt Prairie which is in Wallowa County and Wallowa County is the most northeastern county in Oregon, so uh, bordering Washington and Idaho, Idaho on the east, Washington up on the north. And you know, I was drawn to this place. I love maps, and I love just through motorcycle trips, just getting on Google Earth or Google Maps and putting it on terrain or topo or whatever, and saying, "Oh, there's a mountain range. There's a canyon." What's that? You know, and just kind of looking for obscure parts of the the lower 48 to explore. And so I had a couple friends that they, I had some people in my life that knew that I had been fantasizing my whole entire life about getting land. And they knew that I was pretty interested in Western Colorado, having worked for uh, Jackrabbit Hill Farm out in Hotchkiss. And that's kind of what my, my sights were set on for a long time. And then I read a book, I think called Where the Water Goes about the Colorado river compact and, and that whole mess. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, all the water and, you know, probably as well as anyone, uh, you know, the dependency of the Southwest on the water that comes off of, uh, the Colorado Rockies. And, uh, not that I felt like I was going to be involved in agricultural, uh, projects or, or properties at the scale where maybe it would matter, but I still didn't like the concept of being a part of that system. Mm -hmm. So that made me think, God, I, I've always loved Oregon. I always kind of felt my heart like I would end up here. And so I started doing research around the Northwest. And around that time, I had a couple friends say, you got to check out this town, Joseph, there's some things percolating there and it's a really unique landscape. And my dad had ridden through here on a motorcycle trip. So, you know, I got on the maps and just started looking up everything like Google street view to people's drone videos, uh, just reading the history of the Nez Perce here on and on and on. And I just became really enamored with this unique Valley and it's unique for a couple reasons. You can talk about the geography from the west side of the county at 10,000 feet in the Eagle Cap Wilderness down to the east side of the county at 700 feet above sea level in one county to have 9,000 foot vertical variation or, or shift or change is, uh, is unique and it ultimately provides for a really dynamic range of uh, biodiversity, climate, landscape, all of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we have deep canyons, uh, arid, 
you know, cactus, rattlesnake, all that stuff uh, down at the Snake River, and then all the way up to Alpine Granite. It's the only granite mountain range in Oregon, uh, the landscape of the Wallowas, and they 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 are much closer to the Rocky Mountains uh, than the Cascades or, or the rest of Oregon. So I felt like it was this really groovy place that I could get to the coast. I could get to Portland, Seattle, uh, Bend, Boise, uh, but still be in a pretty remote area. And I think a couple of the things that led me to make this leap you know, one, I was traveling a lot for photography, paying, you know, a bunch of rent and not really there. So I was like, you know, I should be putting this into equity of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I joke about these two parts of it, but Trump getting elected, you know, I just, you know, not to get into political stuff, but, you know, it was a little disconcerting when it happened and I guess still is for me. But regardless, that and then Black Mirror, which is a really interesting show. Uh, that's kind of like this technolo- technological twilight zone. Um, and so I, I reference that because I'm not – I don't think I'm um, a prepper. I'm not apocalyptic. Uh, I don't fear this. But I do think that having access to water and natural resources is going to be increasingly more important as we continue to be overpopulated and draining them at a substantial rate. Mm-hmm. So – uh, I, I said the Northwest, right? There's water up here and it's not going to LA or Vegas or, or whatever else. So we've got a little irrigated Valley. We have a lovely Lake. We have all this water draining off the mountains. Uh, we are at the headwaters of, uh, of, 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 you know, the water that drains down into the snake and the Columbia and ultimately out to the Pacific. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, just fell in love with the place and worked out a deal with a landowner to do a, a you know have him carry the note as a freelancer. It's hard to get a loan on bare land. That's for damn sure. Yeah. And yeah, shit, I went for it and I learned a lot. I made mistakes, but uh, I got a piece of dirt that I'm trying to pay off. And so well, the struggle looks- continues. The dream continues. It, it really just looks like a, a beautiful place. And like, you know, my I was in the ranch brokerage world for 10 years, and so I've seen a lot of places. But the the scenery there is spectacular. And, it, it you know, you've made it very clear, as clear as you could on, you know, different photos I've seen about a lot of the work ethic that and the hard work that's gone into getting that place built up. And so could you just talk a little bit about some of the projects you've done on the place? Because I know you had to bring in some water. I mean, even the most basic thing, like, like dig the outhouse, you know, it's, you, you have literally started from scratch. And so I, could you just give kind of a quick overview on some of the projects you've been working on and maybe some of the friends and family that's come in to help you out? Absolutely. I think that, um, to take a step back, the whole idea of getting like a townhouse or something that was turnkey you know, was out there in the world and, and the other side of that as well, or you could put it into bare land and then rough it for a while and build it up from scratch. Of course, uh, <laughs> the more, the more wise people in my life, uh, you know, questioned me or played the devil's advocate and said, well, what are you going to do for septic? And what are you going to do for water and all these things? And I think that, uh, a healthy mix of, uh, ignorance and, uh, ambition and, <laughs> and, and 
you know, a little bit of that, but you, you have to do, you, you still have to be practical. So I do a small spring on the property, which still in this, in this heat, uh, late summer is holding water. So I, I saw some big deer down there yesterday. Uh, there's two wells up at the top of the hill, uh, that I have access to that have pretty good rates of water. Um, and so when you start from scratch, it's really crystal clear. What do you need? You know, uh, all the luxuries, the superfluous stuff gone, right? Yep. Uh, you need shelter, you need a place to sleep, you need a way to cook food and, and store food. You need water. Okay, here we go. Here's the exercise. Here's the, the project of my life. Okay. I got a crappy 1994 20 foot camper and I emphasize it is crappy. It <laughs> is barely holding but it's shelter, okay? Yep. Um, it's it's just a an aluminum tent basically. Uh, last year was uh, the camper. I talked a local guy out of a shipping container, traded him some some cash and some wine. That was random. <laughs> the shipping container, my barn slash storage unit, um, and uh, and then you know we set up a, a composting toilet at the end of last summer. So most of last summer was me getting water up at the well about a quarter mile up up on the hill and putting it in a in a 250 gallon uh water tank on a trailer and then that's how i washed my dishes i filled up a solar shower to uh shower off the back of the shipping container uh or would find my way to the lake uh and uh let's see here i didn't have any power last summer so any, any of the power tools would run on a generator. I didn't really use lights, uh, just headlamp, uh, and just campfire. Um, I had my dad and brother-in-law and my best buddy, Eddie with me the whole time. Mm -hmm. So they were, they were, you know, supporting me through all this. They came out in August. Oh, I broke my hand last summer. Oh yeah. For that was a hell of a twist of the story. So 4th of July, freaking 40 people came out. We had a barbecue. Uh, High U Winery came. We cooked a pig over a spit. It was awesome. But right before dinner, I took a quick break to go ride my dirt bike. You know, I've been riding for 20 years and, you know, no issues. And just, boom, hit a rock in the grass. Uh, or actually, it was like on a rock pile. Went down. And three fingers on my left hand snapped. I, I, I thought maybe they were spraying all good, just kept riding, and it was super painful. But I just didn't know. I guess I hadn't broken my fingers and didn't realize to gauge the pain. Mm -hmm. Anyway, long story short, the rest of the summer uh, was spent in a splint or a cast, which meant that everything from washing my dishes under a tub – or a tank to trying to shower on a, one of those bag showers to everything was just one armed. It was such a pain in the ass. So anyway, in, in August, uh, in humbling August, my dad and, and brother-in-law Ryan and, and Eddie came out and we built a platform deck to put a tent on, which, you know, we're going to do people camp on it. Uh, we built the, uh, the composting toilet and uh, made some really nice improvements and, and really bonded. I mean, when, when we have these little work camps, these work weeks, it's a it's a really deep level uh, of connection. And it's an I can't even explain the gratitude I feel for people that want to show up and help. You know, on my on my dream yep. on their watch. But I try to feed them and beer and food and 
and good times. So, so we wrapped up last fall, uh, packaged everything up, moved the camper off the land, strapped things down, closed up the shipping container. And, uh, and then I came back out in late March and it was still pretty cold, snowing a little bit, but really excited for this year. And things have slowed down a little bit just because I've kind of run out of money for infrastructure. But Eddie and his friend Elijah came out. We got three solar panels running. So I've got about 1,000 kilowatts and four deep cell batteries. So totally off the grid with power. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much just use that for um, uh, to charge batteries or to run the water pump, um, things like that. And we got a wall tent set up which proved to be really, really helpful in foul weather also as a guest room for folks. And, um, let's see what else have we done? Uh, got a 1200 gallon tank. So, you know, you take a couple trips with the 250 gallon tank, fill that up and then that runs into a pump and then a on demand hot water heater. So now I have a little sink and an outdoor shower. I just finished about a month ago. So, you know, next thing I know, it'll be like the four seasons uh, <laughs> up in the world. Um, um, well, so you've got an event coming up this weekend with um, a, a fellow uh, friend who has been on this podcast, Chris Iyer. Can you talk about that? Because that sounds like it's going to be super cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He'll be out here tomorrow. It's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, in an effort to kind of share the land and um, – I don't know, engage in land and resource-based activities. I said, Chris, can we do a, can we do a, a packing uh, education workshop? Or, you know, we're just throwing all these ideas around. And uh, so, yeah, he'll be up here tomorrow. He's bringing probably six or seven of his, uh, six or seven head, maybe a horse, so some mules and a horse. And uh, we've got seven people, seven or eight people coming. Some are going to camp, some are staying in town. And Real basic, you know, two days going over Decker packing, which I know nothing about, and I'm really excited to, to learn a bit about it. So I had to go through a bunch of uh, a bunch of hoops with the county to get permitting and stuff, but it's it's an exciting thing to offer. So it's kind of our first first event, and we'll see how it goes, and we'll learn a lot, and we'll go from there. Yeah, well, I appreciate that uh, intro to Chris because that was a really cool conversation, and I I didn't know a lot of the stuff about him that we ended up talking about. Like he was in the Marines, but he's this like a legit meditation master, and um, you know, you talk about a guy who's just super interesting. He uh, what a what a cool dude. Absolutely, and th those are, I mean, I learned I just met him this spring after following his stuff for a while. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even listening to that podcast, you know, that the layers kept peeling back and he's a really dynamic guy. So I'm, I'm excited to, to work with him on this and, and get to know him better, you know, really, really dynamic. And that's, that's something I love, uh, being connected with people like that. It's very inspiring. Yeah, it so. definitely is. It rubs off. Um, so kind of along those lines, you and I, we're, we're from, we, we got very, very similar backgrounds. We grew up probably about 90 miles apart from each other, maybe less, similar, similar school experiences, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, a lot of the people that we grew up with in North Carolina, like say high school, um, they're, they're still kind of around there. And I think in, 
in North Carolina, it can be, um, at least in my experience, it can be kind of easy to get stuck on the, in the kind of standard routine there of what people, what people do for careers. And you have obviously done the exact opposite of that. And it seemed like ever since you were 18, I mean, you decided to come out here for, for college and for people who want to learn more about that, listen to part one of our, our interview. But, um, I was just kind of wondering, it's a big question, but how did, how did you manage to get the self-confidence or the guts or whatever to snap out of that scene and make your own way in the world at, at such a, such an early age? Cause it's hard for me to fully express to people who aren't from that area, but it can be, um, you can get stuck in the inertia of that. And, and, and I mean, I did, and then I, I got out. So, but, but talk a little bit about how you, your mindset maybe coming out of high school and how you decided to come out and do your own thing. Sure. Yeah. I mean, the Southeast is, uh, definitely, uh, has that kind of a, a gravitational pull, especially if you're an old family or, uh, you know, you just kind of get, get into the, the, um, status quo there and there's nothing wrong with that, but I guess, I guess my parents, you know, I, I don't, I mean, they're, I'm like fifth generation North Carolina and, um, they, they just moved out of North Carolina a few years ago to Colorado, but I don't know. I guess, I, I guess they always felt like even though they've been there or from there, they were a little bit of an outliers. You know, my dad was always into cycling and skiing and, and being super active. And I think that was a big way for me to relate to my identity. And mm-hmm. I think growing up skating and surfing and wakeboarding and, and mountain biking and all these kind of adventure sports, uh, kind of led me out West, you know, because I think the culture in Colorado and, and elsewhere is much more about adventure sports. And maybe I'm just a selfish punk and the, the, <laughs> the single individual sports appealed to me more. Uh, I just, and I think just being a, yeah, just being a punk kid, I just wanted to rebel. I, I hated freaking pastel polo shirts and golf. I, <laughs> and I wanted to go skate and just it was just a part of like an anti-authority kind of thing and I think that's just chemistry you know or how you're biologically created so I think I got a really a lot of unconditional support I know I did for my family which I'm crazy grateful for and uh, uh yeah made action to nature and recreation and just wanting to explore that continued to grow and amplify and then led me out west to uh to see what was going on out here and then ultimately you know other parts of the world as well so your parents are obviously a big influence on you are there any do you have any other like mentors or heroes um kind of along the way that have helped you to kind of reinforce this independence and this kind of this creative streak you have and i don't know if you consider yourself a risk taker but you know you you have done some some stuff that's kind of out of the ordinary everything from your your motorcycle motorcycle trips to these these business ventures is not the the quote-unquote safe path so are there are there any other people that you've kind of admired from a distance or know personally that have influenced your um your approach to that kind of stuff yeah i think when I moved to Colorado, I started to realize, oh, wow, there's so many other ways to live. And then when I lived in California, it was totally the next level. Um, I just realized that, that there is no uh, ideal or right way to live. It's, it's just a matter of what makes you happy, if you can support yourself, and to make sure that you're, 
I don't know, living a good life. And the w- one person that really comes to mind is, is my old winemaker boss. And I don't, I don't know if I, I probably got into it on, on the first, um, episode we, we spoke about, but David Mahaffey is someone that kind of exposed me to the concept of being, uh, being, a, a polymath, right? Like, mm-hmm. and that's something I break very much is that this life is short. I want to do it all. And, I think there's this pressure from society to put yourself in a box and to really categorize who you are based on what you do and how you dress and and who you hang out with. And he was someone that really made me feel comfortable wanting to do a lot of different things and exploring ways to connect those things. So if you spend your time as a as a photographer, but then you know you work as a winemaker, then uh, you know I was able to position myself uh, with an edge over other photographers because I had worked as a winemaker. Or you might be able to bring problem solving strategies to something based on your you know your your exposure to other uh, situations or other experiences, and. You know, the guy photographed for Polaroid in the 70s. He was in the Navy. Then he taught film and photo. Then he learned how to make wine. And he was really influential on also, you know, not only getting into agriculture and exploring art and creativity, recreation, uh, all of it. And, and so I think he's, he's one person that really um, – he was really a catalyst to open up a new phase in my life uh, in my late 20s. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you did briefly mention him, but not in that detail. And so that's yeah, that's super cool. Um, w- one other thing, a, a minute ago you said maybe I'm maybe I'm a selfish punk, but the 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 interesting thing about that is that I think that you're extremely generous. And ever since we met, I mean, I I reached out to you. I didn't know you. I guess we had a few mutual friends, but you know, we struck up a friendship. And I feel like you've been overly generous with me with, you know, introductions to people. And then you, you see all the stuff you're doing on your property. And um, that that's one thing that's kind of stuck out to me um, about you over the, the years is just that, that you're generous. And is that a, is that a conscious choice you make? Like, is that, is that hard to do? Um, or is that just kind of how you're wired? And, and either way, have you, you may not even admit it, but, but has that led to, has that led to some of the the success and the the good relationships and deep relationships you've had? It's just a generosity. You know, I, um, I guess I don't. I hadn't ever really thought of myself as a extremely generous person, and that's not meant to be a, a criticism. But um, I feel like a lot comes to me, and I feel like I can never really repay the amount of generosity that I've received from strangers and people close to me, mm-hmm. you know, when I travel, when I'm nomadic, uh, I, I stay on people's couches or people invite me to do things. And I just, I, I feel like w- what I'm able to contribute or offer, it doesn't really uh, hold a candle to what, um, I've been lucky enough to, to try to receive. But my, uh, my mom is extremely gregarious and she's never met a stranger. And, and although I hate crowds, I hate traffic and I generally get frustrated with humans <laughs> and what they've done, uh, without being, being dark, I do like people and I love being around people and I really like connecting people. I just think it's so cool when we can collaborate and all boats rise with the tide and, the sense of community that transcends geographical space, 
uh, race, socioeconomic status. I, I just, I think that makes me just feel good. Um, and I know that it's, and I think ideally I, I do it with no, no expectation of reciprocation. I mean, it, it just happens. I think that it's just in the, you know, in the flow of, of, uh, I kind of really don't want to use the word universe, <laughs> but I think it's out there and I think it's just all gonna come back to, to, to each of us when we put it out. So I, I don't know if that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, and you know, the idea of doing something with expectation, I'm, I'm extremely sensitive to that. And I think it's probably from my years in the real estate world, always trying to figure out what people's angle angle is and why are they doing this and that. And, um, uh, I'm probably like pessimistically um, sensitive to to trying to to think people were trying to get something out of me, and that's why it's always struck me with you is that you always you're offering up all this stuff all the time with no sense at all of well, all right, then you owe me, <laughs> and so it's um, I think that's rare in this world. So anyway, I, I appreciate it, and I know everybody else who knows you does. So keep it up, man. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about CBD because. That stuff has transformed my aging muscles, and I want I want to, I want you to get other people on the train because it's it's magic. I love hearing that, and uh, you know, <clears throat> whenever I'm wallowing in self doubt or fear or any of that BS that gets us down, I get an email from someone and they say, uh, you know, I have an autoimmune disorder and I don't sleep well, and your CBD is the only one that works for me. I've tried others and I can finally sleep well. Or my dog suffers from extreme anxiety and now she can sleep on road trips or when it's thundering out. I mean, any of that stuff is extreme nourishment for our endeavor and for our, our work going forward. So anyway, thank you for saying that. Uh, I found CBD a few years ago when I was flying back to Colorado for the holidays. I hadn't slept much. I was getting a cold. I was a little stressed and anxious and blah, blah, blah. And uh, <clears throat> I had picked it up at the store at a uh, you know a dispensary or whatever, but it was mostly CBD. And I experimented with it on my way home and I found that it was almost like an adaptogen, which is, is like there's teas and herbs that are adaptogens, which it's kind of hard to explain, but it, it felt like it was adapting to my needs. And I know that sounds a little strange, but when I wanted to sleep on the plane, I was able to just sink deeply into the seat and was so comfortable. Uh, and then when I woke up and wanted to read or have a conversation with the person next to me, I felt super sharp but very relaxed. And I found that I wasn't operating on that kind of upper shallow breath thing, mm -hmm. breath, um, thing that I do a lot when I'm anxious or I'm just running like a freaking million miles an hour. I don't, I don't actually use my lungs fully. Uh, I don't breathe deeply. And I found that that experience was just kind of this aha moment. I just felt good. I felt really good and clear. And <clears throat> I don't really consume THC that often and I have nothing against marijuana. I think it's fantastic uh, for a lot of reasons, but I just don't uh, – the bottom line is I just don't uh, need to or, or want to get high, I guess, yeah. that often to be transparent. And so I found that this was different. I found that this was not recreational. This wasn't a party thing. This wasn't um, altering my uh, consciousness. It wasn't um, – you know, psychotropic. Yep. 
So immediately I started thinking, oh my God, this is a thing. Let's explore this. And sadly, a couple years ago, I lost a close friend to a seizure. But I knew that her parents had dabbled or it's, it worked in cannabis. And so, you know, on a whim, without much uh, deep thought or questioning myself, I just approached them. And I thought maybe on a deeper level I was meant to do that without getting woo-woo. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, this stuff's really changed my life. Would you want to talk about it? Should we experiment? Should we make some stuff? I don't know. You know, it was very – lighthearted and I didn't expect that we would be where we are now uh, then but it's uh, and, and I should take a step back I'm sorry but CBD is one of the constituents of both agricultural hemp but also marijuana so what we're using is uh, a plant that is the kissing cousin to marijuana but basically the THC is under the legal limit according to the farm bill it's under 0.3%. Mm -hmm. So it's high CBD, almost almost zero THC. So you're not getting the, the, the uh, psychotropic effect. And CBD, there's just, it's a new thing, but it's a lot of emerging research about how it helps people with uh, sleeping disorders, anxiety, PTSD, soreness, recovery. It goes on and on. It's really wild. So that's what that's what we're we're producing and selling. Uh, we have capsules. We, we have oil. We sell online. We sell to juice bars, coffee shops, uh, a float tank, um, uh, chiropractors, massage therapists. I mean, it goes on and on. And I think that our customer base, these are early acceptors, and they range from young folks that believe in plant medicine, natural uh, not, stuff that's not overly processed, things that aren't chemicals, things that are really a direct representation of, of how these constituents exist in the plant and believe in how they, they help the body. Young folks up to folks in, in the baby boomers that are just not interested in using um, pharmaceuticals mm -hmm. or, or they want to offset their use of pharmaceuticals, right? Uh, just like you, you were saying, you know, using some CBD to cut down your use of ibuprofen. Mm -hmm. I, I totally, totally believe in Western medicine and, um, and, and that's all good, but, but this, this is the thing to add to your, to your flow. Uh, we use that a lot because the company is called Onda Wellness and in my travels in Central and South America, I loved the notion of, you know, good vibrations and, and without sounding cheesy, the waves, um, the beach culture, um, just good energy, you know, really being positive. And so I love the visual structure of the word onda. Mm -hmm. And I love the association that I've personally had with, uh, you know, good energy, positivity, but also, you know, the waves. I mean, I personally experience ups and downs pretty severely. And maybe that's why I live the way I do because I'm a bit manic. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think that onda really helps me, kind of recalibrate and work with those waves in a way to be less anxious, sleep better, uh, more productive, and then, and then help with soreness and, and, uh, and physical discomfort after super hard days on the ranch, uh, for example. So God, I could talk about it for a while, but that's, that's the gist of what we're doing. And, and 
you know, there's a lot of grayness. Uh, we are protected by the Farm Bill, but each governmental agency recognizes it differently. Some banks aren't into it. We've had plenty of obstacles, but when I get those emails from people <clears throat> and I know that, uh, I, once again, it might sound cheesy, it's, it's helping people. Mm-hmm. That's enough for me to say, well, you know, everything else will sort itself out. And, and I, do, I do feel like a risk taker, uh, but I also feel pretty calculated because I, I don't have a lot of slack. I, I don't have any money. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't have everything. If this doesn't work, it's, it's, I'm starting over basically. So it is a risk to be in this industry, but it's for a damn good cause. Yep. I, I really believe that. I mean, I could go on and on with stories, but <clears throat> I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna become more mainstream. I think that people are gonna accept these alternatives to integrate into their lives and realize that it's from the earth and it's not. It's not some sort of you know party uh, drug. It's it's a it's a it's a medicine and it's a vitamin. It's a supplement. It's it's herbal. It's whatever you want to call it. But uh, I, I really believe in it. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll second all that. And you know, people who listen to this podcast enough know, like, I have zero, less than zero interest in being like drunk or you know out of it in any way mentally. Mainly because it means I can't read. And then, second of all, I have zero interest yeah. in being hungover in any way. Like, I, I don't want to waste any time with that. And so, that's always been my issue with any of that stuff. Is I'm not interested in being messed up in the head, and I'm not interested in being groggy in the morning. And so um, I had a leg injury at some point, and that's when I got some of your um, – you, you sent me some, and it was unbelievable how quickly it worked. First of all, how well it worked, and then also how quickly it worked. I had this huge knot in my leg that wouldn't go away, and I took I took one of those pills – and within a few hours, the pain was gone. And then within 24 hours, the knot had released and it wouldn't go away with, you know, just, you know, thousands of milligrams of ibuprofen. And, and then the, the best thing is on top of that, there was zero effect on my brain. Like I, I was just as productive as I always, or as I try to be, I was able to read. I was, there was, I wasn't acting weird in any way, but there was just kind of this overall, um, kind of like a relaxed feeling that I, you know, I, I haven't ever really been experienced without feeling, you know, kind of out of it. And, um, I thought it was, I think it's really amazing, amazing stuff. And I'm kind of like anti drugs in, in a lot of ways for, you know, like just partying sake. And, uh, but that stuff is, I mean, it's, it's really amazing stuff. I mean, I encourage people to, to give it a shot. It doesn't have anything to do with smoking weed or being a pothead or anything like that. I mean, it is, it is medicine, like you said, and it's a lot better for you than Advil. I'll tell you that. Yeah, and and I I just don't have time to be uh, <laughs> to be high and hungover. I it just I I'm I, you know a lot of us are just like trying to operate on the highest level we can. Yep. And I almost feel like CBD's hack. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of like a a secret weapon that um that's really become a part of my life, man. And, and I I think to touch on some things you said, it I think our stuff in particular. Uh, the, our extraction is patented and you see things like isolates, uh, uh, versus full spectrum isolates are kind of like, okay, your, your body is going to read the nutrients and the information coming from a whole strawberry or a whole orange. 
and you're going to be getting vitamin C and all the other things that live naturally or exist with it. Okay, I'm a total lay person, but this is just the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you take vitamin C pill that's been processed, your body isn't absorbing all of it, right? Yep. So an isolate is kind of like this pharmaceutical approach to CBD. We're going to strip everything down. We're going to minimize it, break it down, and then either build it back up or it's going to be in this particle powder form that your body just doesn't know what to do with. So that's never worked for me. What we're doing is we're extracting the CBD with the CBG, the CBN, all the other stuff that basically maintains kind of the map or the integrity of all of these constituents and how they exist in the plant Mm -hmm. so that we can uh, very effectively transfer that into the coconut oil or the MCT oil so that your body can absorb it fully. Therefore, uh, yeah, it's more, it's more bioavailable and you get it quickly and, and, and it works. So, um, everyone's in the cannabinoid system, which are the receptors that are meant to, uh, interact with, uh, CBD, CBG, THC, all that stuff. They're all different, right? Yep. So people are asking me about dosage recommend. Sorry. Wasp just about took me out. Uh, are always asked about uh, dosage recommendations, and I, I really struggle to 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 tell them with confidence what they should do, other than maybe start with our tincture and start small, right, and, and work up to it. Uh, you know, some people take a couple hundred milligrams at a time; that's their jam. Some people take ten, and it's really up to you to to figure that out. Um, and uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Uh, shoot, it just left me. But anyway, that that's one thing I just – people have to understand that it's a natural uh, medicine and that it really does depend on person to person. Oh, I know what I was going to say. The other thing is you know, if you took ibuprofen and you didn't need it, you wouldn't feel anything, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel the same way about this. If you take CBD, our CBD on the oil, on the wellness, if you take it, and you're calm, you're relaxed, you're not sore, you're totally at what I would consider homeostasis, you might not have the same effect as if you, your knee was messed up or you were super anxious or you have constant PTSD or any number of, of things that, that, that people are taking this for, in which case you, you, you will feel it. So, I mean, we get such positive feedback. People are always saying, this is the first CBD that, that's worked for me. I'm never going back to these other brands. So I, I hope that that continues to be the pattern. Yeah. I, and I'll vouch for all that. And I got no stake in any of this. I mean, uh, it's, um, but I, I'm telling you, this stuff is, uh, it works really well and there's no bad side effects as far as I can tell. And, um, you know, two other quick stories about it. We have, uh, I sent you one of my, fr- I sent one of my friends to you whose mother was, um, having a battle with cancer and on chemotherapy and feeling awful. And they, she ordered some and her mother took it and it definitely helped her feel better through this, you know, getting her ass whipped with chemotherapy, which, you know, that makes any little problem about my muscle sore legs seem like, uh, you know, preschool stuff. And so, you know, I think it can help everything from, Stuff like mine to that doesn't really matter in the in the long run, other than comfort to see people who are really having a hard time with something as serious as cancer. And then Kate Havstat, who I've had on the podcast, who you introduced me to, um, she uses it, and she says that it helps her kind of get in the zone for her creative work and creating hats and doing everything she does. And so, um, and again, 
as far as I can tell, there's no side effects, which is pretty cool. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big, big proponent of it. And, um, I, I highly suggest everybody check it out. You can buy on your website, you can buy like a two pack, like a sample pack, right? Yeah. You can do the two packs of the 25 milligram and the 50 milligram. And now that I'm thinking about it, I should probably just set up like a promo code, uh, for your listeners just in case they're curious and we'll do like 10 or 15% off or something. So, um, should we do that? Let's call it, uh, Ed 15, you Ed know, 15. so, so if, yeah. And I'll, I'll put that in after we talk, but, and, and, uh, yeah, folks should try it. And, and the other thing is I, stay in touch. I, I love if people reached out and, um, I get these stories a lot. We're, we're working to develop relationships with some organizations because of these inspiring stories. You know, I, I'm working with a couple of veterans who suffer really severe PTSD to figure out, you know, I, I had this idea to do a, what's called a flow fund. This is kind of a working title, but when you check out on our uh, website, <clears throat> you can uh, throw down a couple bucks to, you know, a veterans uh, a group of some sort or um, to try to help folks that are going through chemotherapy or have sleep disorders. I don't know. It, it's a work in progress, but I just, I want to make it more accessible and I think it would be cool if we could find a way to all kind of contribute to get it in the hands of people that, uh, you know, could, could seriously benefit from it. Not that there's a, there's a severity that discounts other, other types of, um, uh, use, but I just think that that's a, that's something we're moving towards. That's a great idea. And I'll, you know, obviously I'll have links to everything in the, uh, on the webpage and, uh, links to that promo code, but I, I definitely encourage people to to give it a shot. Um, if you got any any of the things we've been talking about, um, well, I know that uh, you've got a million things going on, and I I don't want to take too much more of your time. But the first time around, we we went through some of my rapid fire questions at the end, and I've got a I've got some some new ones as well. So can we run through those, and then I'll let you get back to the being the entrepreneur. Uh yeah, man, let's do it. Cool. So. Um, I always ask about books and I ask about people's favorite books related to the, to the West. Do you have, have you read any new books? You, you mentioned, uh, where the river goes, which is on my shelf and I've yet to read it. Um, that's a good one. Have any other ones come up in your, in your life since we last spoke on the podcast? Oh yeah. Um, I'm, I'm chiseling away at East of Eden Oh wow. uh, and yeah. I, I might have been reading it when we spoke. I don't even remember. I, I'm in the home stretch and, and, that's amazing to me because I love imagining parts of the West, uh, especially California because it's so damn crowded. But thinking about what was that like around the turn of the last century, you know, uh, late 1800s, early 1900s, um, no traffic lights, no crowds, no traffic. But no, I mean, really, what, what were these places like not that long ago? And I think Steinbeck really paints an interesting picture of the Salinas Valley in the early 1900s. So that's a really groovy one. I think that's something people should check out. Uh, just It's a classic. And the other book I'm reading, which is super relevant to the area in which I live, is uh, is uh, I Will Fight No More Forever. And that's it's about the Nez Perce War, or Nez Perce. And that's the tribe that inhabited this county in this valley uh, until the late 1800s when ultimately Howard pushed them out and chased them all the way to Montana and they were trying to get across the border in Canada and almost did. And then they were turned around and led all the way to Oklahoma. It's a really dark story. Uh, but it's really, I think, important to understand what, what's happened right under my feet uh, in, in centuries past. 
those two are kind of coming to mind right now. Um, yeah. Yeah, those are good. Um, I, I haven't read either. My wife actually just read Grapes of Wrath and can't stop talking about how great it is. And so I'm trying to to get started on that. But then I, I want to read East of Eden because I think there's a lot of parallels, at least in the, the little bit I've read of Grapes of Wrath, there's a lot of parallels between that time and, and nowadays with these big corporate interests kind of pushing people off land and making it really difficult for small agricultural operations to to survive. It's kind of eerie, really, the similarities. So do you have any, have you seen any good films, documentaries, anything like that uh, since we last spoke? You know, uh, I don't have Wi-Fi up in my uh, my crappy camper. That's I, good. I do have a little hot. It is, it is good for the most part. Um, it makes business a little tricky, but I, uh, I have a little hot spot. So occasionally I can catch some Netflix. And there was a documentary series by um uh, oh gosh i'm totally uh, blanking on his name but it's called wormwood and it's about mk ultra and the acid test that the cia underwent in the 60s 50s wow and i don't know if you've seen that but oh errol morris errol okay. morris i think director it's stunning and it's in, it's really captivating because the son of the fella that uh, died during one of these tests has spent his entire life trying to get to the bottom of it. So it's um, that that was captivating captivating for me. And uh, I really, but I really haven't seen any documentaries lately. I, I, I spend enough time in front of a screen that I just I haven't this summer. That's kind of more of a winter thing for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I think it's. Good to stay away from the screens as much as possible, but I, I've not heard of, even heard of that, so I'll um, I'll definitely check it out. Um, so the other when we last spoke, you told a hilarious and kind of scary story about a bear chasing you as one of the craziest things you've ever seen. So I'm not going to re-ask that. But what has been, I'd say, what has been the biggest surprise um, as far as your Crow Creek property? Like, what is something that you've been dealing with with that place that you just did not expect. I mean, it, and it could be something over, you know, an overarching theme just about the, the amount of work, how hard it is, or it, there could be some very specific thing. But is there anything that surprised you about setting up this homestead? Oh, gosh, so many things. Um, you know, I, I guess I still feel like it's possible. <laughs> I, I don't feel defeated, but with the limited amount of resources I have, I'm realizing that it's going to take a lot longer mm -hmm. than I hoped. Um, and that's, that's really humbling. You know, it's a matter of, uh, sinking in and, and, and living in the discomfort <clears throat> of, of, uh, of this kind of rustic lifestyle and trying to maintain it, the energy level and, and, and reserve calories to run a startup and also have a freelance job uh, as a photographer. Yep. Uh, but I can't, you know, I think, I think just, it, it's a couple things. It's, it's, it's this really, it's this back and forth between feeling super crazy and like maybe I made a mistake and like the concept of, um, dilute, of grandeur, you know, you know, who the hell am I to think I can pull this off to those little moments where the sun goes down, the temperature drops and it's dead, dead quiet and it all feels okay, you know, and it's just kind of this back and forth of, 
doubt and reassurance. And it's this wave, um, that so far has kept me going, but it's, um, it's definitely more, it's more humbling and more challenging than maybe I had, had thought coming in. But I think that's part of the adventure, I guess. Yeah, it is. And I would, I would guess that listening to those podcasts, you know, how I built this, I mean, that I've never done anything quite like what you're doing, but in my old, old line of work, it was very kind of feast or famine, you know, and, and if I didn't sell ranches, I've made no money. And so I, I, I have a little bit of an appreciation for, for how that goes. And, um, but like, like we were saying earlier, you know, if, if it was easy, everybody do it. And so, um, and like we were, we were texting about the other day, the, I think the man in the arena quote from Theodore Roosevelt kind of sums it up, you know, it's, I think it's better to be in the middle of the arena, getting your ass kicked and sitting in the sidelines watching, you know, I mean, you want to be in it. And so, uh, keep, keep the energy levels up, man. You got it. I appreciate it. I think that all of us really benefit from taking that kind of higher elevation view because we can all get really stuck in the kind of day to day, the, the shallow depth of field, the stress, the struggle. But sometimes when you take a step back and go up a couple thousand feet, you can see, Oh, I was there. Now I'm here. And you got to, you know, we all got to give ourselves a little credit sometimes. And I know it's easier said than done. So I, I, I try to remember that or try to exercise that, those words. But yeah, yeah, easier said than done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so last one of these kind of quick questions, and it's a difficult one, but what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? I wasn't asking that question when we first talked, but it's, uh, it's always gotten interesting answers from everybody. Well, you know, I could, I could definitely, um, segue from talking about trying to get this property and homestead, uh, to a a place of a bit more comfort or stability. And it seems obvious, but some, one time someone told me to go slow is to go fast. And I think it's true. You know, there, there's been, massive goals and, and shooting for the stars and just really these big visions. And I think it's okay to slow down and say, Nope, we're going to do that next year. Uh, this is good. You know, we spent the money on the, the solar and I spent the money on the tank and just slow down, pay attention and, and, uh, and you'll get to it. And then next thing you know, you've done it. So I try to remember that when I get stressed about feeling like we haven't done enough, I haven't done enough, not where we should be. So that, that, that bounces around in my head a bit. That's a good one. I need to remember that. Um, so if you could make a request of people listening to this and it's people just like me and you, I mean, love the West through one way or the other, whether it's conservation, ranching, um, art, you know, a combo of all the above athletics, just mountain adventures. If you could uh, make a request of them or offer some words of wisdom, is there anything you would say? You know, I, I don't know. I, this is a, maybe a little funny little side story, but five years ago or so I was dating this lovely lady. And for my birthday, she took me to see this psychic chart reader, which is never something I'd spend my money on. Uh, but I was, uh, I thought it was endearing and kind of fun. 
So she she did all her her magic and whatnot, and she said, <clears throat> "This is your last life, and <clears throat> in your previous life, you were a man of the cloak. You uh, were some sort of uh, monk or something, and and you lived a very re- restricted life, and you 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 honorably uh, upheld your obligations and your duties in the church." And this is your life to just go crazy and do everything you never got a chance to do because it's life. Okay, sure, I took it. And I actually, I don't live my life because of that, but I really do believe it. And there's, it's like there's so many lives to live. There's so much to do um, that I think it's, 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 it's worth trying and it's worth not waiting and not hesitating uh, it's all going by fast, and I think that more doing, less questioning, less self-doubt, and I try really hard to, to stick with that and, and have no regrets, you know, and I've had some really gnarly near-death experiences, and, and maybe that's factored into this, but if I kicked it tomorrow, I, I, could, I could say that was a damn good ride, and I don't have any regrets, so that's maybe awesome. there's a takeaway in there. There definitely is. Get after it. Take action. Go, 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 go. I think uh, I need to. I need to listen to that as much as anybody. But I think there's there's awesome wisdom in that. So that's that's perfect. Um, so how can people learn about your new ventures? Connect with you online, social media, etc. Sure. Um, um, my photo website is iamstevensmith.com. So hire me. <laughs> uh, my Instagram am Stephen Smith. Uh, Crow Creek, which is just kind of what I'm calling my, my little property is Crow Creek, Oregon on Instagram, uh, on the wellness on the O N D a dot wellness on Instagram is, uh, is the CBD company and that's on the wellness.com. So I'd say those are the ways to reach out, see what I'm doing. Uh, and then you can email me. I am Steven Smith at gmail.com. Holler if you're coming through through the area, uh, touch base if you want to collaborate, you know, or you have questions about CBD or we can shoot photos together or whatever. Like I said, I love connecting and you, you know, you have a really amazing, uh, follower base and you've got some great people that come on your show. So I'm, I'm really honored to be a part of the community. Hey, it's Ed again. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast and thanks for listening to that particular episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Before you go, I've got three quick things. Number one, if you like the podcast, please do me a huge favor. Either pass it along to a friend who may be interested, share it on your social media, and or go to iTunes and give it a five-star review. All those things would mean a lot to me, and they would really help to spread the word about the podcast. Number two, if you've listened to many of these episodes, you know that I love reading and I love talking about books. Every other month, I send out a quick email with a few books that I've recently read and highly recommend. The subjects are varied, but they're pretty much all nonfiction with an emphasis on history, biographies, adventure narratives, and topics related to the American West. There are no sales pitches for ranches, no spam, no other kind of nonsense, just books. So if you'd like to sign up for the list, head to Mountain and Prairie slash reading, or just go to Mountain and Prairie and there's a massive tab at the top that says book recommendations. Click on it. There are a ton of good books that I've read. Some of the old email lists are on there. Uh, You can go crazy. There are a lot of books. And finally, if you know anyone I should interview for the podcast, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. 
All my contact info is at mountainandprairie.com, and I'm on all the social media stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. So feel free to reach out. I'd love to have some recommendations and suggestions of interesting people I should meet. All right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon. Thank you.